0: Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host Brent Weber. On today's episode we'll be listening to PSY 352, Social Psychology with Professor Nathan Smith. I hope you listen and enjoy. Hello and welcome back to the lecture for Social Psychology, PSY 352, here at Bellhaven University. This is Nathan Smith back with you from my office in Beverly, Massachusetts. Today we're speaking about social influence, attitudes, and persuasion. So there's a lot of content here to speak about. This is um, a two-chapter reading portion for this week, which you should have already completed before looking uh, through these slides. It is especially important in these weeks with uh, multiple chapters that you do the reading first, because we don't have the time in the lecture to go through uh, every detail um, because there's more reading to be done uh... so it's uh... you're going to get a lot more out of this lecture if you have already done the reading so please do so and uh... another note on what we're looking at today uh... this concept of social influence uh... and attitudes and persuasion becomes very important as we get further down the road into looking at discussions of uh different group activities, things like aggression, things like violence, uh, ultimately racism and war, and uh, these other kind of big important topics that we look at in social psychology. A lot of that work is based on this work that we're doing today, looking at the building blocks, social influence, attitudes, persuasion. So uh, pay pay attention, buckle up, and uh, let's take a look at the slides. So starting with the unit objectives today, what is a group? Intra-group versus inter-group, that's important. What is conformity, obedience, what are attitudes, and what is persuasion? These are the big questions you're going to need to be able to answer by the end of this lecture. And let's take a look at the word. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may prove what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect that is Romans twelve two. the word of the Lord so what is social influence well at its most basic level social influence is the process by which we alter each other's attitudes beliefs behaviors uh, and other things uh, if you think about it as um, kind of like ping pong balls all in, a, uh, all in a container, sort of bouncing off each other and moving each other in very little ways, kind of like social influence is a similar way, just in very small ways, bouncing off of each other and moving uh, the direction of each of us. A primary way uh, in which social influence occurs is through groups, and we're going to get to talk about groups quite a bit. So beginning with the definition, what is a group? Two or more people. We know we know what the Bible says about two or more people gathered in God's name. So starting with two or more, that's a group. Uh, it varies along dimensions, cohesiveness, shared histories, shared tasks, etc., etc. Groups can really be formed around almost anything you can think about, and especially with um, the invention of the internet there are online groups based around all kinds of things. Um, People who like a particular uh, YouTube performer or band or even song, uh, now that um, you can form a group online with people from all over the world, you can get groups about incredibly specific subjects. And that's an interesting Uh, dynamic and something interesting uh, to think about going forward. But in general, people tend to think about groups um, in more traditional ways. Uh, You know, there's census groups by race, ethnicity, age, socioeconomic status, gender, etc. And then uh, more fun groups. um, grouping by sports fans, you know, Red Sox versus Yankees up here in New England, or by college sports fans down south, Auburn and Alabama, Mississippi State, and gosh, I don't know, Ole Miss, maybe? Uh, You'll have to help me with that one. Uh, But I want you to take a minute to think about this concept of groupiness. Uh, That's a very imprecise word, but it kind of gets across an important concept. It's the degree to which people share a history, or interact, or expect a future interaction. It's not a precise word, but it's a very important concept, um, and it's something that can change, right? So, um, so think of a political affiliation in the United States. Uh, you know, Republicans and Democrats would be the big two parties. Um, as you get closer to an election time the kinda groupiness of those political parties might um, become more important. You know, when you're three years from an election, maybe you don't think about yourself as your political party affiliation all that often, but when you get, you know, three months from an election, you might think about yourself as a Republican or as a Democrat all the time, uh, because it's on your mind, Um, it's what people are talking about, it's what um, it's what's important in the culture. So these types of things, this sort of Groupiness, level of groupiness, can be changed by where you are in space or time. Um, You might, uh, if you uh, have been overseas, you might think that you feel more American when you're overseas. I certainly did when I was in Japan. Um, Because everybody else is not American, they might be Japanese or British or Australian or Canadian or what have you when you meet another American, it was like, oh yeah, you and I, we're Americans. Whereas when you're actually in America, uh, at least I don't think, gosh, I'm an American all that often because I don't need to. Uh, so this idea of groupiness and how that changes and molds is interesting. and I want you to uh, think about it. So group purposes, membership and conformity. So groups fill needs, right? They, um, survival would be the most basic of these. There's psychological needs. Informational needs, identity needs, um, and there's a lot of ways to, um, to think about this, but as you think about, um, as you think about this, think about all the different ways that the needs that you have can be fulfilled by groups, all the different ways your peers or your family or your community can support you, do support you, your church community, uh, in addition, um, a lot of times this is uh, something that fills needs uh, across a wide range of perspectives. Um, And then membership and conformity. We'll get to conformity later. Um, But uh, an important sort of note on this is the involuntary versus voluntary groups. So there are groups that you choose and there are groups that you kind of are put into uh, whether you want to be or not. So you know, gendered groups racial groups, ethnicity groups, family groups for many people, church groups maybe when you're younger, uh, but eventually you get to, to start choosing your own groups uh, in some of these, but not all of them. An intra-group versus inter-group, of course, very important to make sure uh, we keep these things clear on our minds. Intra-group are processes that occur within a group. Inter-group processes that occur between groups, right? Intra- within, inter, um, between. So we're going to start with intra-group processes. Uh, so, so one, just for an example, brainstorming, it's of course uh, generating as many ideas as possible um, without judging which ones are best and good. It's useful um, for a lot of different things, but kind of a good way to think about an intra-group process. And as with uh, any time we think about something like this, we want to think about ways of making it better, more productive. Um, some of these include uh, individual and collective brainstorming. There is a big chunk on this in your book, and I think it's a good way, sort of easy, simple, and not too threatening way to think about the basics of intra-group processes. So continuing with that, uh, deindividuation. That's when a crowd or group can cause less self-awareness and self-consciousness, um, sometimes sort of thought of as the mob of mentality. You might have heard of that before. Um, anonymity can loosen normal behavioral constraints, which which can, of course, be bad. But there isn't really that much support for this whole de-individuation idea. Um, it's something that people think of a lot when you think of, um, you know, very bad uh Activities that groups have done, mobs have done, you think. Well, there must be some kind of loss of normal behavioral restraints. But then, when as sometimes happens, as we try to dig in deeper and study this, it kind of becomes harder and harder to get uh, to get hold of. So, uh, one thing the social identification model of disinhibition effects. Uh, so sometimes groups can uh, lead to increased self-awareness. Um, as I mentioned, this idea that that people just mind, act mindlessly in groups doesn't usually is doesn't usually occur. It's not usually the case, but there are famous examples of when it is the case, and the, the sort of heuristic that we've talked about uh, for it is easy to remember examples where uh, this kind of de individuation happens. So group polarization. Uh, Another thing when you think politics, you can think group polarization. This is in a group individual members' pre-existing, moderate opinions in one direction become more extreme. So if you were by yourself, you might be less extreme, but suddenly you are together with a group that believes the same thing you do, and your beliefs can become more extreme. And this can either be a, a risky shift, which is when behaviors become more risky as a result of this, Uh, or cautious shift where um, behaviors can become more cautious as a result of group polarization. And our last uh, concept we're looking at here, uh, groupthink. So decision-making is characterized by excessive need for group cohesion, trying to silence dissenting voices, sense of invincibility, devaluing the opinions of others. This is something uh, as Christians and as leaders we want to be thinking about all the time because groupthink uh, can affect churches, it can affect groups of Christians, it can make groups do things that are immoral or unethical or lose track of what's important, uh, lose track of following the will of Christ um, because the group influence is so strong. So these ways to reduce it are important to keep in mind, um, not, just, um, not just now, but going forward as you become a leader, uh, as you are already a leader. As your groups change, think about these ways of of combating groupthink. Encourage dissenting opinions, invite outside experts, consider multiple possible solutions before acting.